Welcome back to another episode of Sports Talk with Swag. Appreciate you stopping by and giving a listen, hanging out with us this week. Um, <clears throat> we are officially one week in uh, to the NBA restart. I was about to say the bubble, but they've been there for almost a month now, I feel like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we are into August now, which is pretty wild. But we are a couple games back into the restart, the the... Seeding games have been happening for a couple days now, um, and the playoff picture is starting to flesh itself out. Um, people are clinching their conferences and their divisions, and people are scoring lots of points, and most importantly, people are testing negative for the coronavirus. Um, so we're going to touch on the playoff picture and both the, both the Eastern and Western conferences, what teams are trending upwards, what teams are, ten, teams are trending downwards. Um, and then we're kind of just going to answer a few questions that we got from, um, <clears throat> some fans earlier in the day. And then, uh, yeah, we'll see, uh, what else comes up, but yeah, so Let's just hop right into it. So, like I said, last Thursday, um, if you're listening to the audio, that was a week ago. If you're watching right now live on Facebook, that was six days ago. Uh, but so last week on Thursday, the NBA officially restarted their season um, with the playoff seeding games. Um, so essentially, the obviously the regular season wasn't finished when they had to go on hiatus. Um, and paused the season back in March due to COVID. Um, And we are now back playing in the bubble in Orlando, and there's going to be eight. Each team is playing eight games um, in order to basically, like I said, flesh out the playoff picture and basically see, uh, you know, where everyone's going to end up for the playoffs uh, in both Eastern and Western conferences. Um, And again, just a quick little reminder for everyone, uh, the teams that are currently in the bubble that are playing these games are obviously the one through the current one through eight seeds. Um, and then any team that was within six games of the eighth seed in both conferences. So in the Western Conference, we have the, in order, uh, as it is right now, we have the Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Rockets, Jazz, Thunder, Mavericks, Grizzlies, Trailblazers, Spurs, Pelicans, Suns, and Kings. Uh, so that's 13 teams. And then over in the Eastern Conference, we have the Bucks, Raptors, Celtics, Heat, Pacers, 76ers, Nets, Magic, and Wizards. Um, so yeah, we are about... We're coming up on halfway through the seeding games. Um, currently, the Lakers are playing their fourth seeding game against the Thunder, and this is the Thunder's third game. So I think the Lakers are up there, like tied with the most games played right now. So they're at four. So they're going to be halfway done after tonight, and then some other teams are catching up. Um, but yeah, the playoff picture is really 
starting to settle in. And I mean, teams are moving up and down a lot. I mean, we had one, two, three, uh, four, five, I think six different teams in the West move up and down um, from when we restarted. And then in the East, I don't believe there's been any movement uh, as of yet. But all that being said, um, <clears throat> let's talk about the Western Conference right now um, because they basically have a more interesting rest of the season and seeding games to get through. Um, so as I mentioned, um, in first place, the number one seed is the Lakers. They've officially clinched the Western Conference, so they are officially the number one seed uh, for the first time since 2010, which is also the last time they won uh, a championship. And they are at 51 and 15. Um, they are, I believe, 2 and 1 in the bubble so far. Uh, and then the Clippers are the second seed at 45 and 22. I don't need to go over the, the win-loss, but the second seed is the Clippers. Um, third seed is the Nuggets, who are looking pretty good. Fourth seed is the Rockets. Um <clears throat> who have moved up. The Jazz are the fifth seed, who I believe are one and two in the bubble. Uh, sixth seed is the Thunder, who have moved down one spot from the fifth spot where they originally came in. Mavericks are still at the seventh seed, and the Grizzlies are still barely hanging on to the eighth seed. Uh, but they are kind of free-falling right now uh, from where they were because, like I said, I mean, they're still the eighth seed. But they are 0-4 in the bubble and are now just one and a half games ahead of the ninth seed. Um, so we're definitely guaranteed to get a play-in series for the eighth seed in the West. That's for sure. Uh, because every team, 9 through 13, is within four games of the eighth seed. And so if you didn't know, uh, if the ninth seed in either conference is within four games of the eighth seed at the end of these seeding games, then there's going to be a, uh, a play in series where the eighth seed only has to win one game and the ninth seed has to win two. Um, so yeah, so the Grizzlies are in eighth right now. Um, Blazers are ninth and then it's the Spurs, then the Pelicans, then the Suns, and then the Kings. Um, at this point, my guess is I think it's going to come down to the Grizzlies and Trailblazers. Um, the <clears throat> the Kings are kind of throwing right now. They just I don't think they've won a game yet. I think they're zero and three or zero and four in the bubble, um, which is unfortunate. But you know what can you do? The Suns are three and zero in the bubble, but they're still. I mean, they're only a game and a half behind ninth, the ninth seed. So, like I said, it's really close there. So, they're three games behind the eighth seed Grizzlies. So, if they keep winning their games, they could very likely end up as the ninth seed or even the eighth seed. Uh, the Pelicans are the 11th seed, but I believe they started off as either the ninth or 10th seed. And I think they're one and two in the bubble, um, including losses to the Grizzlies and who else did they lose to the Clippers? They got blown out. Uh, and then I think they lost to the jazz as well in the first game. Yeah. So I believe they're zero and three as well. Um, and they just don't look good. 
especially given the fact that for whatever reason, Alvin Gentry is just not wanting to play Zion Williamson. And I don't really understand why. Um, Zion, I believe is averaging right around 15 minutes a game um, so far, which I think is just so ridiculous. Uh, he, he's been, Gentry's been playing Zion in three minute bursts. Um, They're just, I guess, really concerned about his health and him staying uh, injury free because obviously, you know, he missed the first three quarters of the regular season with an injury. Um, <clears throat> so it's like, I, I get it to a certain extent, but it's like, you're not going to make the playoffs if that's how you're going to play though, because he's definitely one of their best players. And, you know, in the regular season in 13 games or whatever, how many he played, he was averaging like 25 and eight or something. Um, so he's definitely a big Kickstarter and like, you know, gas pedal, whatever you want to describe it for that team. And it's just unfortunate that they um, aren't playing him. I think if they, I think they should be playing him at least 25 minutes a game. Um, and if you divide that up by four quarters, that's like six minutes. So it's really, you can keep playing him in the three-minute bursts if you really want to. Just do two three-minute bursts. Um, you know, do the first three minutes, and then he sits three, and then he plays three, and then he sits three. And you can just do that the whole game, and then he'll end up with, you know, 24 minutes played in the game. Um, which, or no, three, six. Or no, sorry, that would not be. No, yeah. Yeah, six minutes a quarter times four is 24. Jeez. <clears throat> Apologies, I have COVID brain. Um, <clears throat> let me clarify, I have not tested positive for COVID. It's just quarantine. I should have said quarantine brain. I have quarantine brain. Um, yikes. Anyways, moving on from that, Zion needs to be played more. I don't know what they're doing. I, I, I mean, I guess I do. They're just trying to be safe with him. I just really don't agree with it. And I think that's, that's going to be costing them the eighth seed. Um, in terms of the Spurs, they, they just lost. Uh, they played the four o'clock game today, I believe, and they lost to the Nuggets. Um, so I believe that also, Uh, the Nuggets are still the third seed then. Um, they have the same amount of wins then as the Clippers, but they have still have one more loss than the Clippers. So they're still, that would put them then a half game behind the Clippers for the number two seed, which is, which is big. Um, but yeah, so Spurs losing that game. So that actually then puts them back tied for the 10th seed or the Pelicans tied for the 10th seed then. Um, but the Spurs just kind of seem to be coasting. Um, they don't seem to be really doing any better or worse than they were in the regular season, which just at that point shows that they're just going to end up right where they are, I think, um, which is going to be on the outside looking in to the playoffs. Um, and then the ninth seed Trailblazers, who I think, I think will probably end up with the eighth seed, have looked good so far in the bubble. Um, they're only a game and a half out of the eighth seed, so they'll definitely... You know, if, if things stay the way they are, they'll play a playing game and uh, 
you know, CJ McCollum has looked really, really good. Um, having Nurkic back as well for them looks like a massive shot of adrenaline in the arm for them, which is really great for them because they were really missing him and his size and his playmaking. Um, he's had some really great, uh, you know, passes and defensive plays. He's gotten a lot of good blocks and steals. Um, he's not a scorer, but they don't need him to be. You know, that's just not his role. But he's really come back uh, looking great and healthy and has been a huge boost for them, I think. And I think it's going to be a big momentum swing for them, pushing them back up into the playoffs. Because um, he was a huge part of that team last year and why they made it to the Western Conference Finals. Um, again, not the sexiest style of play. He's not going to get you more than probably 10 points a game. Uh, but like I said, he makes a big presence known defensively um, and as well as getting his teammates involved, whether it be with pick and rolls, um, or, you know, the high screen or even just with good, uh, you know, passes, getting his teammates involved. Um, he's done a really good job with that so far. Um, and they, they are definitely trending upwards for me. Um, and so I think it's going to come down to the Blazers and Grizzlies and probably the Suns for the eighth seed. Um, but I think ultimately it's going to be the Blazers, uh, who make the eighth seed. Um, in the West. Um, and then just some quick updates in terms of the standings. The Jazz have dropped from the fourth seed to the five seed. The Rockets have jumped up from the sixth seed to the fourth seed. Um, and then the Thunder have dropped down from the fifth to sixth seed, although they are currently leading the Lakers uh, after the first quarter in tonight's game. So if they get that win, that'll put them back tied for the fifth seed with the Jazz. Um, and then obviously the Lakers have already clinched. So wouldn't be if the, if the, if the thunder are able to hold on to a decent lead going into halftime, we may see a situation similar to, uh, the other day with the, uh, bucks and the nets where the bucks kind of sit their starters out for the second half. Cause they've already clinched, um, give them the rest and the nuts nets were able to get a, a really clutch win. Um, and so if that same situation happens here, then we'll see the Thunder back tied for the fifth seed again with the Jazz, um, and they would hold the tiebreaker with them um, if they were to remain tied. So that's that's huge. Um, that's huge for, for, the, uh, for the Thunder. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, the Mavs also are looking really good. I know that I haven't really talked about them much because they're the seventh seed right now. That's where they were coming in, and that's where they still are now. Um, but that being said, um, they they look really good uh, right now. Don Luca is on fire. Uh, just had just became the youngest player ever to record a thirty twenty ten game, and also has like the ninth most thirty point triple doubles of all time. Um, so he's just killing it per usual and looks great and rested. Um, but it's just a, you know, the thing for them is, will they be able to catch, you know, the sixth or the fifth seed? Because right now they're the seventh seed as it stands. They're two games behind the sixth seed and two and a half behind the fifth seed. But the big thing holding them back is they came in with – more games played than a lot of the other teams um, in the NBA or in the Western Conference, uh, just from how their schedule worked out. And so they have four more losses than the sixth seed, but they have the same amount of wins. 
So that's really going to be holding them back. So if they're able to, you know, go six and two or even uh, five and three in the bubble, that'll be huge for them. And they can make a big push for that fifth seed, Um, even the fourth seed, really, because the Western Conference seeds two through seven are five and a half games apart. Um, So theoretically, the Mavericks could, you know, jump all the way up to the second seed. Um, it's just really closely contested, you know, two through seven, I'd say is still very much up in the air. And then there's eight games between seven and eight. So the eighth seed is going to be, you know, kind of sticking at the eighth seed. No one's making a push for the seventh seed. Um, because everyone in the Western conference has secured themselves a playoff spot except for the eighth seed. Um, but yeah. And then. The Lakers, talking about them a little bit. Um, obviously, you know, like we said, they have the they've locked down the number one seed um, in the Western Conference. They have the second best second best record in the NBA. Um, they they look okay. They 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 look kind of rusty though. Um, I will say, surprisingly so too. Um, LeBron looks really really rusty, which is very abnormal and just weird to see. Um, lots of turnovers for him. Not shooting the ball well at all. Um, hasn't scored 20 points yet. Hasn't broken, I think six or seven assists yet as well. Um, which, you know, for him, he's leading the league in assists at almost 11 a game and is averaging 25 points a game. So about half, I'd say he's averaging around half of both of those, um, so far in the bubble. Um, luckily Anthony Davis has really been kind of bailing him and the Lakers out. Um, and is the reason that they were able to clinch the one seed and have, you know, gone to earth, whatever, two and one or three, three and one um, in their time in the bubble so far. Um, so they, you know, and if you've watched them play too, their big strategy right now is to kind of give LeBron rest for the playoffs and kind of let Anthony Davis shoulder a lot of the the work. So typically LeBron will play the first seven to eight minutes of the first quarter and then just sit out the last four to five minutes while Anthony Davis kind of, they just have the offense run through him. And then LeBron will basically start out the second quarter um, and so on and so forth. And then obviously as the game gets later and closer, he'll play more um, if it is close later in the game. Um, But overall, again, you know, I think... They're, every team, I think, is still just getting their feet back underneath them after having three and a half months off um, and, you know, just shaking the rust off, um, getting their chemistry back together with their teammates. Um, so, you know, they'll be fine. And, you know, obviously, again, they're resting players, too, for the playoffs because that's really what matters because especially for the Lakers, they already have the one seed locked up, so they're not worried. Um in terms of the Clippers, who are the second seed right now, uh, they still have Lou Williams out. Um, he's going to miss, I believe. He may only miss one more seeding game. I'm not sure how it lines up his uh, quarantine with the games that they're playing. Um, but he will definitely um, be a big boost for them uh, coming back. Um 
they definitely missed his presence so far. Uh, you know, not to say that they're looking bad. I mean, they are two in one, I think. No, sorry. They, they blew out the Pelicans. I think they're one in two, actually. They blew out the Pelicans, but then they lost to the Lakers opening night, and they lost last night to the Suns in a buzzer beater. So, yeah, they're one and two right now. So they definitely will be looking for him to come back. Um, Paul George is looking really good, though, better than he has all season leading up, you know, to the, to the pausing of the season, in my opinion. Um, especially that game against the Pelicans, he just caught fire. Um, it was, you know, draining three after three and just making every shot that he was taking. And he looked really good. He was on fire, um, which is good for them. And, you know, they'll definitely have to hope that he continues that, you know, hot streak. Uh, going into the playoffs because right now it looks like they're kind of going to need that from him because like I mentioned last week, the Clippers definitely have a bunch of red flags um, going coming into the bubble and now going into the playoffs, um, especially with their scrimmages and their practices. Kawhi was shooting the ball really poorly. Uh, Paul George this regular season just wasn't looking the same, especially on the defensive end. Um, but you know, luckily Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell were big, you know, boosts for them off the bench. Um, but yeah, just just seem to be having some chemistry issues um, and checking the rust off a little more than other teams as well. Um, Nuggets are looking really good um, in the bubble. Michael Porter Jr. is finally getting a significant amount of playing time and it's meaningful playing time and he's making the most of it um, and is being really effective on the court. Um, I think he just had another 30 and 10 game today. Um, So he's looking really good. Um, Jokic looks good as well. He's in great shape. Um, So they, you know, they seem to be doing well. Um, But yeah, so like I said, I think, I think the, I think that one through th- three seeds are going to stay how they are with Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets. And then I think four, five, six, seven is going to be all muddled up and we'll see how that goes. I wouldn't be surprised if we see the Rockets stay around the fourth, fifth seed. The Jazz, I think, will probably drop down to the sixth, seventh seed and the Thunder will stay right around the sixth seed. And I think we'll see the Mavs jump up to around the fifth, sixth seed. Um, so, yeah. That is the... Uh, Western Conference and kind of how how they're looking right now, I'd say just for uh, as a quick little category to go through in terms of trending upwards or downwards, I'd say Lakers are trending downwards, Clippers trending downwards, Nuggets trending upwards, Rockets trending upwards, Jazz trending downwards, Thunder trending downwards, Mavs trending upwards, Grizzlies trending downwards. And then Blazers trending upwards, um, along with the Suns trending upwards. A thing too, and to note as well with the Thunder, which I didn't really cover, um, they're dealing with Dennis Schroeder being out. Um, luckily, not to injury. He's his wife just gave birth um, to their second child, so he obviously wanted to be there to see, to see and experience that, and be with the family. Um, so no timetable for when he will return, but they are definitely missing his presence off the bench. You know, he's a contender for six man of the year. So that definitely says a lot about what he's 
um, you know, what he means to the team. So they're definitely missing, missing that, uh, that boost from him. And Mike Muscala just, uh, in the game against the Nuggets, um, got a concussion. So he's in concussion protocol right now. So he'll probably miss at least, well, you know, he's out tonight against the Lakers. He'll probably miss at least one more game in the protocol, uh, depending on how it goes for him. Um, so, you know, they were definitely trending upwards coming in. Um, and they looked good in their first game against the jazz. And when they got that win, but, um, have since they lost to the nuggets on uh, Sunday, uh, or Monday. So, yeah, so that's the uh, Western Conference. Let's now head over to the Eastern Conference. All right. Eastern Conference. Here's what the standings currently look like. Um, Bucks are the number one seed, um, and they have clinched the number one seed in the East. Uh, number two seed is the Raptors. Three seed is the Celtics. Four is the Heat. Fifth seed is the Pacers. Sixth seed is the 76ers. Seventh seed is the Nets. And the eighth seed is the Magic with the Wizards in the ninth seed on the outside looking in. Um, So basically just running down the line here. um, Obviously, the Bucs have the best record in the NBA. And they look very good. Giannis is poised to win his uh, second MVP in a row, as well as potentially winning Defensive Player of the Year. Um, Chris Middleton is looking good as ever, um, is a great Robin to Giannis's Batman. Um, Bledsoe is playing well. Brooke Lopez is playing extremely well, especially on the defensive end. Uh, Robin Lopez coming off the bench, playing uh, like his normal self. Um, so they, they're looking good. They're looking very good. Uh, they look poised to win the, uh, to win the East, um, and in the playoffs too, because obviously they've already technically won the East and for the regular season, because they've clinched the number one seed. Uh, they are in a two game losing streak right now. Obviously, um, we know the loss that they suffered a couple of days ago to the Nets, which was very surprising, um, you know, with them sitting out Giannis and I believe Chris Middleton as well for the entire second half. Um, and then they also lost to who did they, who else did they lose to? Um, I think it was, was it the Raptors? I can't remember. Um, there's just been so many games happening recently. It's hard to keep up. Um, after no games for four months. So anyways, they have a five game lead, um, over second seed. So they've, they've clinched the number one seed. So they're, they're coasting. Uh, the number two seed is the Raptors. Um, and they're four and a half games ahead of the three seed. So I think they're pretty, pretty likely to remain the second seed and to, and to, to clinch that second seed and to clinch the, uh, Atlantic division. Um, the Raptors look really, really good. Um, they are not missing Kawhi Leonard at all this year. Um, you know, obviously they won the championship last year and Kawhi was a huge part of that and they are acting and playing like true defending champions, uh, without their best player from last year, without the finals MVP in Kawhi Leonard. Uh, a lot of people thought, you know, a, it was just a huge mistake for them to tra- trade DeRozan for a one-year rental of Kawhi 
knowing that he was going to be going to LA. Um, obviously he ended up winning them a championship, which was a huge, you know, plus for, uh, for Toronto fans. And I think made it worth it for a lot of them, especially just knowing that, uh, DeRozan was just never quite able to get them over that hump, but Kawhi was. So they're very thankful, uh, for their time with him. Um, but you know, you had Pascal Siakam who was the most improved player last year and who could very likely win it again this year, just from the huge jump that he's taken, um, and really filling the shoes and the void of Kawhi Leonard this year for that team. Um, not only defensively, but offensively as well. Uh, jumping up from, I think he was averaging 16 or 17 points a game last year to now 24 points a game this year. Uh, still a great defender can guard one through five very well. Um, gotten a lot better with his three-point shot this season too um and they're on a six-game winning streak right now they're undefeated in the bubble they've beaten the lakers um i know for sure uh and i think they beat the heat or the i think it was the heat i can't remember again too many games going on um but yeah so they look in pretty commanding uh, control of that second seed. So um, my guess is that they'll they'll stay there. Um, the third seed right now is the Celtics. Um, like I said, they're four and a half games at the second seed, so I don't see them getting that. And they are only one and a half games ahead of the fourth seed. Um, and they're, they're looking decent. Uh, they did just lose to the Heat last night. So, uh, you know, that was a, that was a big, big win for the Heat, um, especially without Jimmy Butler. Um, Celtics looking good, not great. Kemba Walker hasn't looked very good so far in the bubble. Um, hasn't really done much for them. Um, as well as, you know, obviously coming into this to the bubble, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were looking really good and were kind of carrying the team. And uh, obviously they're still great players and will – uh, show up for this team in a big way in the playoffs. Um, but the whole, the, the Celtics on a whole just haven't looked super in sync to me, especially watching the game against the heat. They just looked to be playing kind of clunky. Um, and it looked pretty rusty to, to me. Um, so we'll see how they end up doing, you know, if they're able to shake the rust off and hold that three seed. But I mean, they're only two and a half games above the fifth seed. Uh, and, Four and a half or four games ahead of the f- the sixth seed, so I don't think it's very likely, but it's very possible that they could drop all the way down to the sixth seed, um, which would be super unfortunate. But that being said, um, you know they have clinched a playoff spot. You know they're not gonna drop out of the playoffs, but right now again they're in the three seed, which they definitely would like to stay at. Um, but, you know, you don't want to drop too far down. Um, and then the Heat um, are, again, in the fourth seed. They're only a game and a half behind the Celtics um, for the third seed and six games behind the Raptors for the second seed. So I don't think they're going to take that. But they, uh, they, look, they look pretty good in the bubble right now. I'd say they look pretty much... Like how I said that the Spurs look pretty much the same. I'd say the the Heat kind of look pretty much the same right now in the bubble compared to their um, 
their regular season prior to the restart. Um, you know, Jimmy Butler, a big, big help for them this season and a big reason that they are where they are. Um, Kendrick Nunn, another reason that they are where they are. Uh, I mean, he's playing so well that he knocked Goran Dragic to the bench, uh, which I didn't see happening um, anytime soon. So that's that's big. But anyways, they look to be playing. They look really good. Um, like I said, Jimmy Butler's playing really well. He missed their last game. Uh, I think they said with like ankle soreness or, or knee soreness uh, against the Celtics, but they're still able to pull out that win. Um, but he's going to be obviously a huge key to them, um, as well as Bam Adebayo, who is also in the running for uh, most improved player. Um, and Bam Adebayo is going to be key for the playoff run that the Heat are looking to make, especially if they're able to make it to the conference finals um, against the Bucks. I think the Heat have the best chance to beat the Bucks um, because in in the in the time that they have spent guarding Giannis, every team in the East, Bam has spent the most time and defended Giannis the best. Um, Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer talked about that a little bit earlier today in uh, his show, the uh, the mismatch. Or no, not the mismatch. The restart. Um, which I'd highly recommend you go watch or listen to. If you're an NBA fan, Kevin O'Connor is uh, a great, great source in, you know, of information. Uh, but anyway, so he, he kind of broke it down that Giannis's true shooting percentage is the lowest when being guarded by Bam at a bio. Um, when you also consider how much time people have spent guarding him. Um, so I believe it was him. And then I believe Joel Embiid was second. Um, so, you know, obviously there's no stopping Giannis. Clearly he's on a tear this year and is the front runner to win the MVP. Um, but Bam, I think, definitely does the best job at stopping him, and that will be crucial for them uh, to make a push in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. Um, Pacers are the fifth seed, only a game behind the Heat. And I think coming into the bubble, a lot of people were thinking they're probably going to drop down to the seventh seed, maybe even the eighth seed um, with Oladipo saying that he wasn't going to play, but then saying maybe I will and then practicing with the team, but he has yet to play in the bubble. So I don't think he's going to be playing for them. Um, So with him not playing, Sabonis is out for a significant chunk of time. um, So they don't have him either. Um, So kind of having to rely on Malcolm Brogdon and Miles Turner, guys like that. I think coming into the bubble, myself included, we're kind of like Pacers are probably going to tumble, but they'll stay in the playoffs, obviously, just because that's how the East looks. Um, but they are three and zero in the bubble, and TJ Warren is averaging like thirty eight points a game in the bubble and scored fifty one the other night. Um, so don't know where that's coming from, but TJ Warren is absolutely on fire and he's shooting well over fifty percent from the field. And I believe well over 50% from three as well. Uh, and is definitely the bubble MVP so far. Uh, and like I said, the Pacers are 3-0 so far in the bubble. So they've climbed up. They were the sixth seed, um, but they've climbed up now over the, the 76ers and are now only a game behind the Heat for the fourth seed, uh, which would be huge, obviously, uh, for the playoffs. But, you know, in terms of making a deep playoff run... 
I don't see much from the Pacers because, again, they're having to rely so heavily on TJ Warren. Uh, and while he's performing great right now, I don't see that lasting through the playoffs and being able to carry them past teams like the Raptors or the Bucks um, or the Celtics even. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. I mean, obviously, if Oladipo and Sabonis are able to come back for the playoffs, that would be a mega push for them and could – could be a factor, but at this point, uh, Oladipo is not going to be playing. It's a bonus. It's probably not going to, it's going to be too little too late, uh, with him coming back. So Pacers will probably end up staying in the fifth seed if I had to guess. Um, and will probably be a first round exit for them. Um, and then the sixth seed is the 76ers who are, uh, have also clinched their playoff spot. Uh, so they're not going anywhere. Um, game and a half behind the Pacers, um, and then they're eight games above the seventh seed. So they've clinched the sixth seed at least. Um, no team is going to be dropping below the sixth seed um, in the East because they have such a huge margin of victory or wins and losses over the seventh seed Nets. Um, 76ers are just a weird team, man. I can't figure them out. Um haven't been able to figure them out all season. And then with the restart uh, in the bubble, haven't been able to figure them out anymore. Um, they won their last game, but um, I think they're one and one or one and two in the bubble. Um, they looked decent in their scrimmages. Um, but it just, I don't know, man. It just doesn't seem like the Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid uh, experiment is working for them. Um <clears throat> Al Horford really hasn't done much for them either all season, which is pretty surprising uh, given how crucial he was for the Celtics and their playoff pushes in the past couple of years. Just doesn't seem to be translating to the 76ers for them, for him. Um, so, I mean, they're, only, they're a game and a half behind the Pacers for the fifth seed. Uh, so we'll see how they play. I mean, Embiid has looked good. He scored like 40 the other night. Um Ben Simmons looks fine. I think they're still, you know, experimenting with him at power forward now um, and kind of starting Shake Milton at point guard um, instead of Simmons at point guard uh, and uh, Shake Milton coming off the bench and, you know, having Horford at power forward, all that stuff. Um, so we'll see how it goes for them. I just, I just can't figure them out. And I don't think they can figure themselves out either. So obviously... They're guaranteed to be in the playoffs, but don't really know how well. But they're 29-2 and two at home, though. That's what's wild. I mean, obviously, home and away doesn't matter anymore because we're in the bubble. But, like, that's 29-2. and two. That's the best home record in the NBA. That's insane. 29-2 and two at home, but 10-24 and 24 on the road. Like, that's awful. Um, so that's why it's just weird. They're hard to figure out. And obviously, like I just mentioned, home court advantage isn't going to play any factor um, in the restart. So, just bizarre, man. Um, Seventh seed is the Nets. Um, They're, like I said, eight games behind the Sixers, so they're not getting the sixth seed. But they are only a half game ahead of the Magic for the eighth seed. And the Nets, 
it's just weird with him because coming into the bubble, I was like, they're definitely going to drop to the ninth seed. Like I was like, Oh, it's almost guaranteed. Like the wizards are going to bump into the playoffs. It's going to be magic is the seventh seed wizards are the eighth seed and nets is the ninth missing the playoffs because the nets had ow, just stubbed my toe. The nets had KD and Kyrie out for the year. So they weren't going to have them. And then they had, I think four or five players test positive for COVID and then they had a couple other players who were just going to be sitting out the restart. So I don't think they had like, I think they had maybe one or two starters returning. Um, and then they signed Jamal Crawford and then they signed uh, Michael Beasley, but then Beasley tested positive. So he was out. So now he's not on the team anymore. And then Crawford just injured his uh, leg last night in the Nets game. So I think he's, we don't know when he's going to come back, but he's out at least uh, as of now. So they just look awful. So they're still looking like they're going to be sliding. But Bradley Beal is sitting out for the Wizards. Davis Bertans is sitting out for the Wizards. Um, John Wall is out for the Wizards. So anyone that could have helped them make a push uh, to the eighth seed is out, um, and they're ha- they're 0-3, in, and I believe they also lost today, making them 0-4 in the bubble right now. So they're throwing. They're, they're not going to make it. So I think the Magic have – the Magic and the Nets both have their playoff uh, positions – not positions. They're, they're locks for the playoffs, but I believe the Magic are going to finish as the seventh seed and the Nets as the eighth seed. Because, like I said, Magic are only a half game behind the Nets. I mean, to be fair, they're on a two-game winning streak after having just beaten the Bucs. Um, but the Magic, well, the Magic were playing good, but then Jonathan Isaac is now out for the year uh, after tearing his ACL the other day. So it's, it's going to actually come down to the wire, I think, for the Nets and Magic. Only a half game separates them right now. Um, they're both dealing with a lot of injuries and people sitting out. Um, either way, neither of them is going to make it out of the first round of playoffs because they're going to have to either play the Bucks or the Raptors, and that's just going to be a no contest for both of them. Um, so they'll make the playoffs, which is a nice surprise, but they're not going to do anything there from, from then on out. Um, so obviously, like I said, Bucks staying where they are, Raptors staying where they are. I think the three, three, four, and three, three, I guess you could say three through six, really, because there's only four games separating those four teams. Um, those are pretty up in the air. I think, I think we'll see the Celtics and Heat in the top two and the three and four. Don't know where. And then the Pacers, 76ers in the five and six. Uh, probably Heat at three, Celtics four, 76ers five, Pacers six would be my guess. And then Magic and Nets at seven and eight. Again, I have no idea where they'll end up. I'll say Magic is the seventh seed, Nets is the eighth seed. Um, but yeah, so then quick categorically for uh, upwards and downwards. I'd say Bucks are trending upwards. They're on a two-game losing streak, but they still look really good. Uh, Raptors trending way, way upwards. 
Celtics trending downwards, Heat trending upwards, Pacers trending way upwards, 76ers trending downwards, Nets surprisingly trending upwards. They're on a two-game winning streak, and they beat the Bucks. It's not nothing. Um, and the Magic are kind of just like, I'd say they're trending downwards with the loss of Jonathan Isaac because that's a huge blow for them. They, I think they would have been trending upwards uh, had he not gotten injured because they were looking decent so far. Um, they are the home team after all. Um, but I think Jonathan Isaac has them trending downwards. And then obviously the Wizards are just trending mega downwards because nothing is going right for them. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the Eastern conference of the NBA. That's how I kind of see it shaking out, shaking out. Um, overall in terms of the NBA restart, I am just really enjoying it. Uh, I think it's going swimmingly, um, again, third week in a row now, zero positive tests for COVID. So since coming to the bubble, there have been no positive tests for COVID, which is just such good news. It makes me feel good. Like it it makes my heart feel good. Just knowing that like they're doing it right and they're taking all the proper precautions. Everyone in the bubble is taking it seriously and doing their part and it's working. Um, Rob Manfred, take notice, write this down in your notebook for your next meeting with the MLB because my God, the MLB is doing it wrong. Again, another team, I think it was the Cardinals this time, where like seven or eight people on their team tested positive for the virus. So that's more games that are getting canceled, more games that are getting postponed, more players testing positive, and then it's just more anxiety and worry, I would imagine, for the players. Maybe they just don't care. But for me as a fan, it does. Um, Just a fan of sports and a fan of people staying alive and healthy. Um, It's just so disappointing to see how truly terribly Rob Manfred and the MLB has handled this, their restart. Um, Complete opposite of the NBA. Um, Tons of people testing positive. Um, People just not taking it seriously. There's just no protocol. It's just, it doesn't look good for them. Um, But yeah, so overall NBA is going great. I'm loving there being three to four games every day. There's usually a 12 o'clock, a 4 o'clock, a 6.30 or 7 o'clock, and then like a 9 o'clock game. And I love that. Because A, I love there being four NBA games every day. B, I love there being afternoon games because it's so awesome to, during my lunch break at work, just turn on an NBA game. Um, And then when I'm off of work, turn on an NBA game. And while it's dinner, you know? And then B, just having that kind of a slate of just four NBA games back to back to back to back typically um, is just great because you miss one game, you can watch another. Um, And then C, having the latest game beyond at 9 p.m. Eastern for me is great being on the East Coast because a lot of the the games I'd be interested in watching were taking place in the Western Conference And so those weren't starting until like 10 p.m. my time, which is basically when I'm going to bed. So I'm getting to watch at least the first half of those games now, which is awesome. So no complaints here. NBA, Adam Silver, 
keep doing what you're doing. Um, I applaud you. You're doing a wonderful job in taking this seriously. And all the players, please keep taking this seriously because it's working and it's worth it. And you're keeping each other and everyone healthy and safe. And you're setting a really good example. Um, so yeah, kudos to the NBA on their return. All right, and then finally we have just a couple of questions uh, from some fans uh, from earlier today. Um, I posted uh, on the Facebook page that I was going to be going live, so if anyone had questions that they want answered, to post them and I would answer them. And so that's what we're going to do now. Uh, we got two questions here. Uh, so the first one comes from Matt, who asks, is UFC's Fight Island model something that should be adopted by other sports with smaller numbers of participants? Or is it just completely ludicrous? So essentially, from what I know about this, is that the UFC, every time they have uh, you know, a pay-per-view, a fight night, um, typically these would be in Vegas, New York, Chicago, big cities in a, you know, a huge arena. Obviously, like every other sport, they're not able to do that now. And so Dana White, essentially, I don't think he bought it, but I think he like is basically renting a private island um, to have these fights. Uh, and I believe they've already started doing it. I believe they've already had a couple of fight nights on the island. From what I've heard, it's gone over really well. The fans loved it. Uh, their buy rate was still really high, and they did well. Um I haven't heard of anyone testing positive for the virus. I also don't know what their protocol is. So I guess I can speak. To, I mean, the question is asking about the model. So I can speak to the specific model and how I would do it. But I think the idea is great because when you think about it, it's very similar to what the NBA is doing with the bubble of just this one specific location where everyone is. That's where it takes place. Um, you know, there's no fans, there's no traveling, um, and that's it. And then with UFC as well, you know, people fight once, maybe twice a year. So they're going to, I would assume they get tested once they get there. And if they test negative, they get to have their fight. And then from then they're, from there, they just leave the, the island and continue on with their lives. Um, because at that point, they're not going to be coming back and fighting for another six to, you know, 12 months. Um so it makes sense, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think a lot of other leagues or sports can just rent out an island. Um, but again, it's it's just the same concept as the bubble. Um, and I think as long as they're responsibly, you know, testing people, again, it's different with the with the UFC because it's pretty much just like a one and done thing. And even when you take like the fighters out of it, and you just think of like crew members, like for like filming and like Dana White and like executives and people like that being there who are going to be at every fight night. Um, it's still not even going to be once a week. It's I think once a month. So even if they do test positive when they're there, they can go home and quarantine um, for, you know, two weeks and then test again. And if they're good, then go back, you know? Um, so I definitely don't think it's ludicrous. I think it's a good idea. I think I'm trying to think of other sports, with smaller numbers of participants um, because UFC, it's pretty, 
peculiar because they also don't really have a season as well where they have to kind of just be there for a set amount of time. Obviously, it wouldn't work for baseball or hockey or basketball or football. Um, soccer, it wouldn't work for either. So I'm trying to think of like... It could work for something like probably... F well, that wouldn't really matter. I was going to say it could work for like pay-per-views for like WWE or AEW, but they're already doing their events at a disclosed location, although professional wrestling is handling the virus probably the worst of anyone. Maybe the MLB is the worst, but professional wrestling is right above them uh, just because they're continually meeting only recently mandated masks being worn. Um, they weren't testing anyone. They weren't distancing anyone. Um, it's, they're both taking place in Florida, which is the worst state in the country for positive tests. Um, so just overall hasn't gone well for them. Um, but that being said, it's a good idea. It's a good model that the UFC has with the fight island. I just don't really know if there's any, any other sports that could necessarily take advantage of something like that. Um, where it's just like they're only having an event once a month, you know, because every other sport has like a season where they just need to be playing like every other day or every three days. Um, I mean, the NFL is the only one who's stretched out with them playing once a week, but there's just way too many people involved. That's, you know, there's, like uh, like uh, 90 players on each team. So that's over all, already like 200 people just with the players. And then you have all the coaching staffs, all the, you know, assistants and the uh, just everyone else on the staff and the crew and then TV and all that stuff. It's going to be, you know, a thousand people for like one game. Um, so tens of thousands for like a season, if not hundreds of thousands. So it's just not going to work for something like, something like them. Um, and speaking of which, real quick, there, there wasn't a question about this, but I did want to mention it because I haven't really brought it up at all in the past couple of weeks. The NFL, in my opinion, at the very least is going to have a truncated season. Because I don't think there's any way that they're going to be able to get away with playing their regular season basically with the same model that the MLB has, uh, where there's just everything is normal, but there's no fans. Because as of right now, it's a disastrous failure for the MLB. In my opinion, their season is just a failure right now. Um, I don't know how, I don't know why the MLB season is still going on right now with a second round of 10 plus cases on one team. Um, and it's, I think it's only going to be worse in the NFL with, like I was just saying with over a hundred people being involved with each team alone. Um, and you're having them travel and there's no protocol, you know, there's no, it's just, you're, you know, there's no knowing or predicting what a player or a person on that team is going to do, you know, from, Tuesday to Saturday when they're not playing their game. Um, they're still going to be going to, 
you know, practice fields and they're practicing in weight rooms and their arenas and stadiums. And then who knows what they're going to do in their off time in between. And then again, they're traveling to these different stadiums, which the MLB has proven is not foolproof and people will test positive and contract the virus. And when you don't have a protocol for what players can and can't do, you know, where they can and can't go, i.e. having them in a bubble, when there's no protocol for distancing, when there's no protocol for, uh, you know, wearing a mask, when there's no protocol for if someone tests positive for the virus, which is the same as the MLB, it's just not going to work. And so I think we're going to get close to the season starting and they're going to have to basically cancel the first quarter, first half of it, if they want to have some sort of a bubble or something similar to that. And if they're not able to figure it out, I think they're going to end up having to cancel their whole season. And I know they don't want to. And I know that a lot of people probably disagree with me right now. But I said the same thing three months ago about the NCAA football season. I said there's a 15% chance that they're going to be playing football. And a lot of people said, no way. It's at least 75% chance they're going to play. Um, And all conference games have been canceled in NCAA football. UConn just announced yesterday or today that they're just canceling their whole season. Um, There are several teams who don't even have a conference, so they have no one to play. And then you have teams in the FCS like JMU, where my alma mater, who they're not doing their conference games, but they're also like going to be playing Notre Dame in their season, which is just like, how should that count? for their season. And then are you going to have playoffs or not for them? Are you going to have the bowl season for the FBS? It's just a mess. And I think the NCAA football season is going to end up getting canceled. And so will the NFL, um, unless they are able to put something together, some sort of a protocol, a bubble, something, some sort of a plan together, then those live sports just aren't going to be able to take place. And that's just another reason of why I cannot stop congratulating and applauding Adam Silver and the NBA for handling this so well and doing such a good job of it, having such a well thought out detailed plan that the players association, their union was heavily involved in the players were heard um, and involved. And I mean, I know this just because I'm more involved with the NBA than any other league, but I know that the, the, the union, the players union, their president, who is Chris Paul, was extremely involved and vocal, you know, from day one of the season being on hiatus all the way up until the restart. He was on Zoom calls, conference calls, Skype calls, phone calls every day, multiple every day for hours and hours and hours, basically working a nine to five job, hammering out all the details, asking all the questions that needed to be asked of, you know, figuring out the bubble and making sure it was all going to work. Like, are we going to have a mask protocol? Are we going to have a distancing protocol? All right, we're going to have locker rooms here for them. What are those going to look like? We need to make sure each locker is distanced from the next. All this kind of stuff. Um, And so having someone who's fighting for the players and having a league who wants to work for the players, essentially, um, it just, it showed why I think, and I think why the world is starting to see the NBA is the best league, uh, the best sports league in the world because they take it the most seriously. They look after their players the most um, and their safety and health. And they also are really championing the whole social justice movement um, 
you know, they have Black Lives Matter permanently painted on their courts now that are playing. So every single game that you see on national television has Black Lives Matter in very bold print at the top of the court, which is huge. And the players were able to choose social justice, you know, initiatives and phrases to put on their jerseys in lieu of their names. Um, and they're, these commercials that they're putting out are incredible. Um, and I would bet you my entire life savings, the NFL is not going to put anything remotely close to Black Lives Matter on their field. They're not going to do that. They're not going to let their players put, say their names on their jersey instead of their name. They don't want that. They're going to still have, you know, these advertisers who are very against Black Lives Matter and these, it's a league that's against that, you know? It's just, I don't see them doing anything remotely close to the social justice uh, initiatives that the NBA is taking. The MLB has already shown that they're not. They're allowing players to wear these tiny patches on their shoulders that say Black Lives Matter. Um, and I think that's it in terms of social justice initiatives. Everything else is just normal. Um, so anyways, that was a mega long tangent. I apologize for that. But um, it's just with the NBA being in full swing now and more sports leagues coming back, um, it's just really widening the gap of the distance between the NBA and the, and every other league, in my opinion. Um, so yeah. And the second question, the last question here, uh, comes from, excuse me, comes from Michael and it's a, it's a multi-parter and I know I just covered some of it, so I'm just going to, but I'm going to go one question at a time. So he says a few baseball questions for you. What do you think of the new 16 team postseason structure for the MLB this year due to COVID? Now, Michael, I have to be completely honest with you. I have no clue what you're talking about. So let's do what we do best in the show and Google it. Um, and see what we have. <clears throat> Everything to know about expanded playoffs with a big old picture of Rob Manfred. All right. This is from MLB.com. The regular season has fewer games and the postseason has more games. That's the formula by which the Major League Baseball will operate this year after an agreement just before the first pitch of the 2020 season. Blah, 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 for a 16-team postseason structure. In which all wins count equally in terms of a particular league's wildcard chase, but not all wins are necessarily created equally. Considering the strength of schedule, it, seen, it made sense to expand beyond the usual 10-team format. Because usually, yeah, okay. Because usually it's a wild card game and then one, one versus four and two versus three. Um, whoa. Sorry, we just had a huge spike in the video bit rate. Um, anyways. 
So 16 teams, eight from the AL and NL. Um, as has been the case since 2012, there will be four rounds, but instead of a round featuring a sudden death wildcard game with the division winners resting, the format will be as follows. Wildcard series, best of three, with all games at the higher seeds home ballpark. One versus eight, two versus seven, three versus six, four versus five. That's interesting. Then the division series, which is best of five, with traditional 2 2 1 home road format. Oh, and then it's. Oh, yeah. And then it's one versus four, and then two versus three. And then the league championship series, best of seven, with traditional 2 3 2 home road format. Winner of. Yep. And in the World Series, best of seven, traditional 2-3-2 home road format. And they're finally going to have it now, too, where the home field advantage goes to the team with a superior regular season record as opposed to whichever conference won the uh, All-Star game. Okay. Well, now I'm informed. And... I think that's great. I think I'm fine with that because that's how the that's how the NBA does their playoffs, um, and I think that's good because typically um, in the MLB seasons, uh, seeds one through three get to rest while four and five play a wild card game, and then it's one versus four, and then two versus three, and. I don't think it allows for enough teams to make it into the playoffs. And I think it doesn't make the playoffs interesting enough because for instance, back in the nineties, the Knicks were the eighth seed and they upset the one seed and went all the way to the finals and were the first eighth seed in NBA history to make it to the finals. And that was awesome. That was super cool to see. Um, and the cool, super cool thing to happen and it allows for more kind of Cinderella story underdog runs like you see in March Madness as opposed to the MLB where it's typically the one seed is going to make it to the World Series, maybe the two seed. Um, so I think it's great. I think it's good to change it up. It's already a bizarre season anyway. Let's just experiment with some new ideas, see how they work, um, especially with it only being a 60-game season. Um, you know, I think it, uh, makes sense. Uh, also with all of the postponements of games that have happened recently, is it realistic that they will be able to finish the 60 game season for every team? No, absolutely not. Uh, that one I can definitely answer because they've already had to postpone a s fair amount of games. Um, and I think they've already canceled a couple games, like just straight up, like these games just aren't going to happen. Although I think right now, actually, I take that back. I think right now instead they just have postponed them to have double headers. But I think every game that gets postponed gets pushed to be a double header then. So now you're having a lot of double headers, which is not good for the players. Obviously playing two games back to back is not good. Um, so I think there's no chance. I think a lot of teams are going to, if not every team is going to finish with less than 60 games played. But then that also factors in of like, all right, so what about 
a team like the Phillies, who had games against the Marlins postponed, or no, sorry, they played the Marlins. They had games against the Yankees postponed after they played the Marlins, who tested positive. And they're also in the same conference as the Cardinals, who just had their team test positive. So it's like you have the team like the Phillies, who's playing just unluckily, playing these teams who are testing positive, having their games postponed and potentially canceled. But then you have teams like, you know, I don't know, the Red Sox, who I don't think have played anyone like that and may never, you know? So you could have the Red Sox playing 60 games and the Phillies are only playing 45. And that's just super not fair. So that's not going to go over well. Um, So that's why I think the MLB season is already doomed because there's no way they're going to play 60 games for every team. And there's no way you can adjust for that mid-season now um, without just like pushing your playoffs back, which I guess they might do. Um, will the ultimate World Series winner of this season, if we make it that far, be taken seriously and given the same credit as other winners since it is a short season? So this is an interesting question because when this came up for the NBA, I think you guys know my thoughts, but in case you didn't, I've said it absolutely will be given just as much credit, if not more, because of the fact that it was the middle of their season and it was cut and they had to take three and a half months off, but it wasn't a normal off season because they weren't able to train or practice with their team. They weren't able to work with their trainers or their, you know, nutritionists um, or their, you know, massage therapists, all the people that they work with on a daily basis. They weren't able to meet with any of them. They couldn't practice with their teammates. They couldn't practice in gyms. They basically had to rely on home gyms that they may or may not have had. Um, and some of the few superstars who were lucky enough to just have a nutritionist or a personal chef, um, they're able to, you know, keep that diet up or whatever. Um, obviously, everyone did was professional and did what they could to stay in shape. But staying in shape can only do so much for playing a professional sport, you know, in being in season shape and in chemistry with your teammates and being in playing shape. And those are two very different things. Um, so I think that, you know, that championship will absolutely be counted at the same level. For the MLB, though, they're basically playing a third of their regular season, so it's way shorter. They're not playing the normal kind of schedule either in, in the sense that, like, there's a lot of more interleague games happening uh, because they're trying to um, narrow down the amount of traveling that teams are doing. So like I said... I think the other week or maybe it was two weeks ago about the MLB, you basically are just playing teams that are near you geographically. So that's why the first series um, was Yankees nationals, because that's a quick four and a half hour drive from New York to DC. Um, but they're in different conferences. And that's why the Yankees have also played the Phillies um, and why they already played the Mets and stuff like that. Um, whereas typically they're going to mostly play the Orioles, the Rays, the Red Sox, the Blue Jays, um, and they'll play like one or two uh, National League teams. But this time they're pretty much splitting their time evenly between National team, National League teams and American League teams. Um, so that just kind of throws it off too because then it's just like weird interleague play that doesn't typically happen. And then you have to take into effect like the whole like designated hitter rule. Um, and then again, you're only playing 
a third of what you normally play, and then you're going into a different kind of playoffs. I don't know. It's tough to say, honestly. I think I think regardless of what happens, if we make it to a World Series and we crown a World Series champion, it will be looked at differently. And that's the same with every sport. The NBA, it's going to be looked at differently as well. I think just because it can be like, oh yeah, that was the year that you know they played the playoffs in the bubble in Orlando and the season was cut off for three months. Um, and, you know, same with this MLB season, be like, oh, that was this season they only played 60 games and they like barely traveled and it was super weird. Um, so I don't know. I, I, it's hard to say if it'll be given as much credit as other uh, winners because a shortened season doesn't necessarily make it an easier season. I mean, it does, I guess it does to a certain extent because you're well, way way more well rested when the playoffs come around. Um, Cause you, you know, you've only been playing for two or three months as opposed to five or six months. Um, but at the same time, I don't know. It's, it's tough. It's tough. It's hard to say. Um, I think it should be, I think it should be counted equally, uh, you know, an, alongside all the other World Series winners, but it's definitely going to be looked at a lot differently, especially because in my book, in my opinion, I don't think we're even going to make it to a World Series this year. Um, so it'll just be really interesting to see how it plays out. Um, I'm very curious to see how it plays out. Um, but yeah, so that, uh, that answers that question for Michael and for everyone else. All right. So those were all the questions that we got, uh, earlier today. Um, and that's kind of all I have to talk about this week. Um, so make sure if you guys aren't already go follow the podcast on social media, uh, so you can stay up to date with when we're going live with the new episode. We, every episode it's every Wednesday night around 7.30 or 8 p.m. Eastern Time. We go live on Facebook um, while we record these episodes. So if you want to see my beautiful face while I talk about sports, head on over to facebook.com slash sports talk with swag, like the page, and then you'll be notified every time we go live. Um, <clears throat> head on over to Twitter, uh, stwscasts. Follow me there. That's where I'm the most active because I'm always tweeting about uh, different sports current events that are happening. Um, and then Instagram.com slash Sports Talk with Swag as well. Or just probably if you go in the app, just search, search Sports Talk with Swag. Make sure to like the page and follow it. Um, I post updates with every time uh, we have a new episode come out uh, as well as a couple of uh, you know fun things like if I want to uh, answer some questions or, um, you know, anything like that. Um, and then make sure you're going, you go over to Spotify or Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Stitcher, wherever, um, and follow the podcast. So you can listen to the audio portions, um, and leave a rating where you can, uh, you can write an email to sports swag at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts or questions or anything you want to talk about sports. Just send it over there and I will read it and write back to you. Um, 
But yeah, outside of that, I want to thank you guys for listening and checking out the show. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.